Today's teaching text comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. He went up to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is David, if we haven't met, and I'm uh, so glad to be here on this uh, kind of historic day. It is the end of a mini era. Um, This, by the grace of God, we hope is our last online-only broadcast uh, because we're meeting in person from next week at the Montauk Club. We're so grateful God has provided a space for us to be together as a family. Uh, uh, There will still be a broadcast, but uh, we will meet together and it will be broadcast. Uh, We recognize that uh, we need to learn uh, to be an in-person community again, that we need to learn and relearn the rhythms of being a church meeting together. And uh, we need to have some grace for one another in that process. And I want to just thank you all for your perseverance over the last season to get us to where we are. Really, really, really grateful for you, for your prayers, for your support. Uh, I also want to thank the staff. The staff are learning how to care uh, and work uh, with people in this strange, changing world that we're in. And I'm really, really proud of the staff who had to reinvent themselves a number of times. You might have experienced that yourself. And so I want to say thank you uh, to the team for everything Uh, that they've done over the last while. And lastly, um, we are somehow still learning how to be an incarnate presence in our community, to love our neighbors in tangible ways. Though that never fully stopped, that is what we are called to. And we need to remember that wherever the church is, wherever you and I are, wherever we find ourselves, That is where the people of New York can experience the love of Jesus. And I'm so grateful for our mission and our collective heart to love our city and our neighborhood. And I'm really grateful for God for this great city. And so uh, pray with me as we begin this morning. Father, we come uh, to your throne. We come to you uh, who are king seated on the throne. You reign over all things and we are glad to be under your loving rule. So good to be under the rule of a king who loves relentlessly. And so we come today to receive the grace uh, and find the mercy that we need for this moment in time, for this time of need. You say that there is sufficient for us to come and we come again today and ask that you meet us, meet your people here and now in this moment that we face and show us again your kingdom, the picture 
of your kingdom, the future you have for us, and lead us step by step. Give us courage and faith as we walk in your ways, we pray. Amen. Uh, Church, when I grew up, um, it was pretty common to ride uh, on the back of an open truck, like a flatbed truck. We used to call them buckies. A a bucky is a truck, in in our language at least. And one of my earliest memories is being on a retreat uh, with a bunch of kind of student-age people. Um, uh, One of my earliest, like really fun memories with Lisa was being on that retreat. And uh, what we would do was we'd stay on this house in the mountain and we'd drive down to the beach or to town on a bucky. And uh, a number of us would be on the back. Uh, three of us would stand just behind the cab. Um, and there's like a roll bar at the top of the, of the cab. We'd stand and we'd hold on as uh, the person driving. I can't fully remember uh, who was driving. But one day, uh, w- w- what would happen often is we'd go down this road that had speed bumps. And, and when you're standing on the back and you go over a speed bump at some speed, uh, you kind of lift off the truck bed for a little while before you land back. And uh, one particular moment I remember so clearly was uh, three of us standing, my friend Darren here was on my left. And as we went over the bump, we lifted in the air and it was exhilarating. And uh, the person driving the truck for some reason, I cannot remember now, swerved, which meant that when the three of us came down, only two of us found our feet touching the flatbed truck and Darren just landed in air. His hands were still on the bull bar. He held on for dear life and we grabbed him and we pulled him back into the truck by the grace uh, of God. Another thing uh, we used to do, I I don't know if you've had the privilege to do this, was um, you could sit on the back of a truck. Uh, Usually for us, it was a a gravel road or farmlands or something like that. The, I think you call it the tailgate. I, I don't know what you call it here, but the flap at the back was down and your feet are dangling down and you're going backwards basically and you see the world unfold behind you you just see the landscape surprise you time after time as it unfolds and one of my mentors once told me that seeking vision or getting the vision of God is sometimes not like we want it to be which is let's look ahead and see what God has but it's a little more like sitting on the back of a bucky and letting the landscape unfold behind you as God in some beautiful way paints the picture of what he's doing in your life. It feels like this COVID moment was particularly like that. It feels like the last season, it was really hard to look ahead and say, what are we going to be like? What's the church going to be? What's the kingdom of God going to look like? How is it going to happen? And it's more been like we've been sitting with our feet dangling and just letting God speak to us and show us the landscape, our inheritance as it comes by. Now, uh, what do we need to do or have in uncertain times like these where we can't see very far ahead, so much change, speculation and uncertainty, we committed through the summer to look at the words of Jesus as he speaks to us to show us a revelation of the life and the kingdom that, they, that, that these words hold for us, that his kingdom has for us, what these words mean in our hearts and lives. And I hope today that we can look at the big picture, kind of what has unfolded in the summer series uh, as we end it off. And I hope we'll see this. I hope we'll see that God is a relentless communicator. 
that he was communicating from the very moment creation began and he never stopped all through Revelation. He is communicating today and he wants to still speak. His voice is everywhere trying to get our attention if we would just notice. He secondly chooses ultimately and most perfectly to communicate through Jesus. Most accurately, he communicates through the person of Jesus. We see it in scripture. We've seen it in the series that we've gone through. Thirdly, that Jesus is a particularly worthy person to speak the words of life. Fourthly, that his words are his ministry. That in his speaking, he ministers and he affects things in our hearts and lives. And fifthly, that he empowers us with the same spirit that we become the bearers, the carriers of his message to our world to see the same ministry take place through his body, the church. So uh, the words of Jesus are so important for so many different reasons. And I'm going to touch on a few as we go through this. What Jesus says about his own words. He said something really particular that was really important. He says that what he speaks, that everything he speaks, he hears from the Father. He was not just an incarnated human being speaking truth like a philosopher, but he was reciting what the Father wanted him to do on earth. Secondly, what he demonstrates about his words are as important. We see him going uh, into the desert to be tempted. And when he is tempted to eat, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the heavenly Father. And what happens in that moment is he shows how essential, how powerful, how absolutely life-givingly vital hearing the word of God is. And then we see in what other people say about his words, the importance of them. In a particularly uh, like, like challenging moment where everybody was leaving Jesus, walking away from, from him, his disciples, uh, the closest ones, stayed around him. And he says, are you going to leave as well? And their response is so powerful. They respond to him, where will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And we need to get to that place where we realize everywhere we are seeking affirmation and hope and future, our channels of news feeds that shape our reality. We can go to so many different places, but ultimately, can we say the same thing? God, where else can we go for our truth, for our reality, for our hope, for our affirmation, for our identity? Where can we go for you have the words of life. There is something, in other words, about the words of Jesus that has the power to bring life and sustain us in all of our life experiences. Think of your life. Think of the pain you're going through right now. Think of the places you are stuck, the dilemmas. There's just no answer and you can't find your way out. Where do you see the need for God to speak to you? Try to identify those as we go through this. Jesus' claim and his command is that if you come to him, he will unburden you and that you will find life in what he speaks over you. Now, uh, my son turned 13 uh, just this week, one of my sons, and um, 
I recalled to him something my dad told me around about this age. And uh, it's an it's a old maxim that, that's pretty familiar. But he says, who you are going to be is going to be determined mostly by the people you hang around and the books you read. And he was trying to shape my future. And I, I really appreciated that. And I said this to my son because I believe that the, the influences in our life, lives are largely the people we hang around and the content we consume. It might not be books in our day or, 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 or it might look differently, but it will be what we feed our hearts, our minds, our souls. And uh, certainly the most important person is the Spirit of God, God's very presence with us. And the, the most important content is the Word of God. And we have to, day after day, create rhythms in which those two, the very person of God, His presence with us, and His Word speaks to us. And so I want to encourage you at the end of the series that you don't go, oh great, that was the series on the words of Jesus. Now, what's next? But that we daily seek to hear the Word of God. My prayer every day, I kid you not, uh, is consists at least of these two things. Spirit of God, will you be with me today? And would you speak to me? Because I know when God speaks to me, when he shows himself to me, things in my life change. So why was Jesus' words so powerful? In Isaiah 11, there is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Why is he so worthy? Why is Jesus so particularly worthy to be the one communicating uh, the words of God? Uh, Isaiah 11 says this, There shall come forth a, uh, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of God. This is the very same passage that we see a renewed picture of the kingdom and what the kingdom, the restored kingdom could look like. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and the little child shall lead them. And we've seen that passage preached in a way that says the kingdom that God is bringing, the fruit of the kingdom is diverse and beautiful. And this is that same passage. It comes through a Messiah who has the spirit of wisdom and understanding, who has the spirit of counsel and might, who has the spirit of knowledge and the fear of God. It seems that Jesus was particularly anointed, gifted to speak the words of eternal life. This Savior wouldn't just bring a new effective reality and experienced reality, but he would bring a new understanding of reality through wisdom and through might. Now, this understanding of how we ought to exist uh, to live more fully in the loving Creator's intent uh, is a reality where we're not separated from God, but connected to the Creator. Uh, it is a return to the place where we are fully alive. It is uh, a reality where we are not scared of God, the Creator, who seems scary as we see Him in all His power and might, but we are rather in reverent fear of Him because we've seen Him in Jesus who came to redeem and to bring us back to Him and to take upon Him 
the, the curse, the pain, the suffering that gives us freedom. This is a reality where we're not seeking ultimate fulfillment in the illegitimate pursuits, uh, but knowing that in Him we have all that we need for deep satisfaction and that every good gift comes from this God who is communicating to us. It is a reality where we understand that even any confinement that God seems to bring our way is ultimately a limitation that leads to greater freedom and that we can trust the God who feels like at times He's confining us. The life that He brings, the abundant life, is for the glory of God and the joy of all people, the kingdom of God. And so He is worthy to speak and bring the understanding of that particularly uh, new revelation that He came for. So if that is the result, if the result of His ministry is this uh, th this new kingdom, this new way of life, this inaugural way of living in the way of Jesus, then what is it that he will come and do? How will he do this now that he has a spirit of wisdom and understanding and that one word there, a spirit of might, all of it is understanding and kind of word pictures. And then it says he, it, this is a powerful spirit that is upon him. Well, John 1 says this, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. John 1, speaking about Jesus, says that the power of Jesus' ministry is that He is making God fully known. And we read throughout the New Testament that He is the, the perfect representation of God. And so when we say things like, one, God is a relentless communicator from Genesis to Revelation, it is that he speaks, that he communicates, that he reveals. But it doesn't just mean that he is speaking uh, kind of formulas of success for us or answers to our toughest questions. Uh, it doesn't mean that that is his primal objective. It actually means that his greatest objective is to make himself known because this is eternal life, that you know God, that you know God and God's original intent is to make himself known. So Luke 4 is our text and it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now remember, this is Jesus' claim about what He is here to do. This is Him standing up saying, I am ready to do the work for which I came. This is Jesus' moment. It says, He rolled up the scroll after He says this. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is like a mic drop moment for Jesus. Here we go. Done. Boom. Now you know I'm here to do this. And what is it that he says he is there to do? It is a quite remarkable claim. He came to declare the kingdom of God, to declare the reign of God. Here are some excerpts from this text. One, his words are good news. I came to, I am anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. Isn't that incredible? You kind of think he just came to do. 
And doing was a large part of it because he didn't just declare the kingdom, but he also demonstrated the kingdom. But in this particular passage that he quotes, he says, I am anointed to speak. I am anointed to let words, the life of God come from me. And those who will benefit will be the poor. The poor, those who, who, who are not the highest in society, those who are not reaping the benefits of systems that have brought them wealth and strength. It is quite remarkable. Under the rule of this new king, the poor will flourish. His words, it says, bring freedom. He has sent me to, again, proclaim liberty to the captives. He came, his ministry, his anointing was to speak because he has the spirit of wisdom and understanding and might. And now he comes and speaks to those who are captive. He speaks to those who are poor and he is able to speak the truth of God that is a higher truth than anything that we are getting from newspapers, from culture. And he says, I can set you free. His words are a gift to the oppressed. His words are revelation to the blind. He sets at liberty those who are oppressed and recovering of sight to the blind. His words usher in a new era. The last little verse there says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I find it fascinating that Jesus' ministry was to speak. Now you can see why I am contending that we cannot lose our discipline to notice and hear the words of Jesus. This is not just a summer series. This is a daily pursuit to open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, our minds, so that we can be set free, so that our blind, blind eyes can be opened, so that our poverty can be addressed Jesus' words bring life because he is perpetually revealing himself, the living God to us. John 17, remember, says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, God revealing himself perpetually to us. Here are a few comparisons of Genesis 1, John 1, and, he and Hebrews 1 as we see his communication in action. In the beginning, Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth. This earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then seven times or six times, he goes, and God said, and God said, and he speaks and he creates and he speaks and he creates and his words have power because they carry his intent. They carry his character. They hold his very essence. When God speaks, he is not just communicating information. He is changing your and my reality. He speaks and he creates, and then right after he does, it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, the last thing, the first thing he does after creation is finished, when, when, when he sees human beings are created, before he rests, the last thing he does is he speaks. He says, it says, and God blessed them. 
And it says God blessed them and he commands them to rule and govern and join in his creation. And he commands them uh, to multiply. And this act of God, of giving life, was God saying, through my words, I am blessing you. I am calling you to life. He didn't say, Oh, great. Now I have a bunch of minions, a bunch of lemmings that can just do what I want them to do. He actually, as the first act, said, I want you to be blessed. The act of creation was to share the blessing of himself to us. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Uh, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. The glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. Jesus has made Him known. Now we see a kind of recreation and the recreation comes because the very words of God are embodied in Jesus. Now Jesus is there to give us the words of life. God's presence is now in his people. God spoke to his people through his prophets And God spoke to the world and is speaking to the world through his people, a prophetic people. And then Hebrews, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And therefore, Jesus is ultimately worthy to be the one doing the speaking. The prophetic and the Old Testament typologies were all designed to make God known. And ultimately, Jesus was incarnate so that we could know God fully. Now, when I understand the life that I gain access to when I listen out for the words of God, I can't but prioritize curating spaces in my life to hear Him speak, to notice him. I can't not seek out the most life-giving act that I can imagine, hearing the voice of the Creator. Where does the presence of God dwell now in the new covenant? In his people, God's very presence in his people. And so wherever the church is, that is where God wants to make himself known. And so firstly, church, we need to listen for the words of Jesus. It needs to be our daily pursuit to listen, to seek out, to notice where he is getting our attention. I have uh, friends who, when their kids come into the room and we're busy talking, sometimes their kids come in just talking, just like they, they come in talking and they have this, this saying that I'm probably going to butcher now, but it goes something like, hey, 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 hey. Walk into a room with your ears. Listen when you come in. Notice what's going on in that room before you just walk in. And I feel like God is calling us to walk into every day that we live 
with our ears wide open because he wants to speak. I want to encourage you, church, go to the places in your life where you notice God speaking. And they may change day by day, season by season, but make a time every day of your life to go to the places to step into the conditions, into the environment where you know you find the voice of God. Pay attention, secondly, to your own words, to your own communication, to your own speaking. Ephesians 4 is a charge for godly living, and it goes like this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And it carries on, but it is a charge to the church that our words carry life or death and that we should choose to speak and communicate with our words and our actions the life of Jesus. When we receive the words of Jesus, in other words, when we receive the ministry of Jesus, there, are, there is a freedom for us from what we are captive. There is um, release from what we are oppressed by. There, there is revelation for our blind eyes. There, there is a lifting up for our poverty. Whatever we feel like we are lacking, there is a lifting up when we hear the words of Jesus and we experience kingdom life. And when we experience that kingdom life, then we become God's communication of that blessedness that he speaks over us to the world. Church, when we are filled with the words of Jesus, his ancient words spoken to us, his now revelation that he speaks to us day after day, then we get to be God's very good news, the carriers of his good news to our neighbors, to our neighborhoods. Remember Matthew 24, this gospel, this good news, this proclamation will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. That is our charge, that we will still be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that is still true today. We become witnesses. When we are witnesses, but it doesn't come from the life-giving words that flow into our hearts from God, then what we are doing is just kind of a religious jargon duty, and we're actually inviting people into more, more bondage uh, and not freedom. And when we are experiencing the freedom of God, but we're not communicating that to our world, then we are no different from those who carry out injustice that, that, that kind of say, I'll have it for myself, but I'm not going to let others drink from this goodness that God has given us. Church, lastly, God is a relentless communicator. He chooses ultimately to communicate accurately, most accurately through Jesus. Jesus is worthy to speak the words of life. His words are his ministry and he wants to speak to you today and every day that you open your eyes. Lastly, he empowers us with the very same spirit to speak the words of life we ever, wherever we go. We get to declare and demonstrate 
the kingdom of God. What a privilege that is, church. That is our calling. That is what we're doing. That is why we have these moments to encourage ourselves and each other with the story of God. In your highs and your lows of life, with the troubles that you are facing, with the waves that are crashing right now, where do you go and find life or encouragement? How do you hear the words of Jesus? What act is it that you can engage in where you can seek out the voice of God that is so vital and sustaining to your soul? God wants to speak to us day after day. Let us pray. God, open our ears. Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us through your word, through people, through nature, through your spirit, still small voice. Jesus, we want to hear your voice. We want to receive your ministry. We want to be set free. But we need to hear your voice. Give us some discipline, some grace to stay away from the distractions that rob us from hearing your voice, God. Give us the grace to say no to some things in order to say yes to noticing some other things. Help us create stillness in our hearts, in our worlds, in our homes, so that we can notice. Help us to create stillness in our souls so in the midst of the bustling, busy, loud city, we can hear your gentle whispers. And your words are eternal life because you show yourself to us day after day. We want to know you, God. And so we ask that you show us and you help us to see and you help us to hear. Thank you for the season that we've had looking at the words of Jesus. May they not be lost on us. May they take root deep in our hearts. May they bear fruit of the kingdom in our hearts, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. We pray this in your name. Amen.